the year. Big chance, Barisha. He's done it again. And it's a goal. Unbelievable. What about this? Dylan Pereas, his first touch of the game. Sanchez. Western United do claim the three points. And Diamante again. Oh, he's done it twice. He's chipped the keeper. Presented by Simmons. It's the Green Room on FNR. Football Nation Radio. Well, Danny Sturridge was a no-show, but three sweet points, a clean sheet, and a stadium announcement to bring in this episode of The Green Room on FNR, proudly presented by Simmons Homes, the great Australian builders. I'm Josh Parrish. I've got Lockie Flanagan alongside me. And Lockie, we've got a big show coming up and uh, a big win to celebrate. It is. Well, it's been a bit of a a jury day here in Melbourne, but I'm sure that out at Leaks Row, the the clouds have parted, the sun is shining, the uh, the rabbits are are frolicking, and there's a little rainbow over the top because we do have confirmation of the first soil being turned uh, over at Leaks Road, start of the the Wyndham City Stadium precinct, and we're going to be able to chat about that. Of course, the game, as you mentioned, and then two very big guests, two players, one current and one former, joining us very, very shortly will be Lockie Wales. We'll have plenty of questions for him after he was involved in picking up Western United's first three points of the season. And then, I, I don't know if we're at the stage of being able to call people club legends, but I feel mm-hmm. like this guy is not just a an A-League, you know, he's not just a Western United club legend. I think he's just a league legend mm-hmm. at this point. Uh, but after Lockie Wales, we'll have Andrew Andrew Durante as well. Uh, who is currently, he's like the the Carmen San Diego of, of retired A-League men's <laughs> players, currently on this sojourn through the, the outskirts of Australia. So what we, we need to answer, uh, where in the world is Andrew Durante? Well, I think it's a well-deserved break. Oh, after absolutely. What, 360-odd A-League appearances, the record appearance seasons. holder. Yeah. So, I mean, he's had a long old career. Um, he has been through the wars in that career as well. I mean, a long time ago, he was actually caught by a stray bullet while playing in a match. So he's got a lot of stories to tell. I'm keen to dig into some of them and to his time at Western United mm. as an inaugural player, as a captain, and, of course, his upcoming off-field role with the club and what that will entail. Yeah, super exciting stuff. Should Absolutely. we start with the game, though? Yeah, let's talk about the game just briefly. A 1-0 win off the bench, our green room guest, Dylan Wenzel-Halls from episode two. Does it have to be the week after mm. a guest comes on to call it the green room effect? I feel like the halo effect can extend to two weeks. That way, if Ben Garuccio scores okay, next so, week, okay. we can claim it as well. So if Ben Garuccio is scoring against his former club this weekend, mm-hmm. then then we can officially green room effect TM. Yeah, exactly. Because okay, some people okay, listen okay, to the cool, podcast cool. late. Yeah, yeah you know. no, true. Good point. Okay. <laughs> so we're off to a good start then. The halo Absolutely. effect is happening. And, uh, you know, stout defensive performance. It was uh, a slog against a Perth Glory team who benched most of their star attacking options or, or even left them out of the squad and uh, set up with a bank of five and a bank of four. Yeah. Uh, it, it, they made the going very tough, did Perth mm-hmm. Glory, but eventually Western United did find the breakthrough courtesy of Dylan Wenzel-Horse. But I think the most pleasing thing in this game was the defensive performance. Once again, obviously, they, you know, had started with the, um, the the traditional back four, the the one that played last week, and did very well against Melbourne Victor as well. Let's not forget, um, just conceded from one set piece, but they had to make that tactical change, bringing off Imai at half time, and then Nikolai Topo Stanley came in and, and did a very good job. And West United held that clean sheet and took the three points at the end of the game. So I think that's a defensive record that, you know, given their opponents on the weekend, um, it is a very very good thing to have. But I was just thinking about it today and. Even if you count the preseason mm-hmm. results as well, you throw in the Newcastle Jets game. Uh, you know, obviously Daniel Pena scoring from the free kick. Western United haven't conceded from open play yet, which is a good thing yeah. when you're coming up against Melbourne City. I would say absolutely, and we need every bit of that uh, defensive rigor mm. when it comes to the weekend's game against the reigning champions. Uh, but you mentioned the tactical change. Uh, apparently, Tamaki and Mike is completely fine. It was just John Aloisi wanted to left. I was footer. worried. I. I Went out the the minute I saw it, I, I grabbed Nick Hughes. I'm like, is, is Tomoki Amai, is he okay? I need to know if the Mocky Monster is okay. 
Mocky Monster is all good. Don't stress. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure I am allowed to be on nickname basis with him, but I'm going to continue <laughs> to push it regardless. I think it might be only Ryan Scott that calls him that, by the way. <laughs> more, uh, well, more people <laughs> should really call him nickname that. I, I'm going to I'm going to back in. I'm going to back in Ryan Scott and say more people should call him that if they don't already. But I grabbed Nick Hughes. He's all good. Uh, no injury for Tomoki Maya. It was just a tactical thing, so he is good to go. And uh, already that competition for places in the centre back spot is heating up because NTS. Did a good job as well. Yeah, speaking of A-League legends and uh, mm. played nice passes out from the back with that left foot on the left-hand side and the goal ends up coming up the left flank. So uh has to be said, inspired change by John Aloisi. We'll go to a short break because we've got Lockie Wales waiting for us on the other side and we've... I mean, I don't want to build him up too much, but we've got a lot to expect from Walkie Wales as green room talent because we're told he's a bit of a larrikin when we've, it comes to the training plenty, sessions. Plenty of questions for Lockie. Absolutely. Let's get into that here on the green room on FNR, proudly presented by Simmons Homes. Western United, can they find something here? Big chance, Barisha! Presented by Simmons, it's the Green Room on FNR, Football Nation Radio. Welcome back to the Green Room here on FNR. Josh and Lockie with you. We've got another Lockie joining us here via the Zoom call. Lockie Wales, welcome to the Green Room. Thanks for having me. Um, You look like you've got a good set up there, so... (laughs) quality. Uh, you're rocking the AirPods too, so not so bad yourself. Actually, uh, speaking of gear, uh, my co-host here was actually admiring your T-shirt before we came on air. <laughs> yeah, it's a um, bit of a local brand. I think it's out in Mornington, so uh, Snake Hole, little shout out. Um, nice little tea, so um, if you want to grab one, get online. <laughs> very underground, very cool. So <laughs> Representing the southeast as well. Yeah, so. I've, I've, look, I've got no problems with that. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure the club would prefer you find a reputable fashion brand from the West. But, but, but you know, I think the Snake Hole is good value, so I'll, I'll we'll allow it this one time. Former Southeast resident here, and speaking of uh, little seaside towns, uh, that's where you hail from, right? Yeah, I grew up in Terrigal. Um, you know, probably 15 minutes from Gosford, so uh, the beach actually next to it, Wombrel. So I um, grew up, went to Terrigal High, and um, spent most of my childhood down there at the beach and. You know, had a really good upbringing and just enjoyed a lot of sports. But um, yeah, obviously fell in love with football as well. Yeah, I bet. I mean, were you a surfer as a kid? Did you uh, get into that as well? Yeah, I was always down at the beach. Um, while my family was building our family home, we uh, lived on the beach for probably a year and a half, and yeah, spent every day surfing and. Uh, you know, doing nippers and these kind of sports and always enjoying it with my brother and sister. So, um, yeah, it was an awesome upbringing and, you know, it was kind of good to enjoy a lot of different sports because, you know, by the time I was a little bit older, I wasn't um, wasn't over football or, you know, my, my dad didn't pressure me into playing football or anything like that. So um, it was an awesome upbringing and, you know, it's something that I'm really grateful for. I mean, I know as you can see, Lockie, from the window, the the weather in Melbourne is not quite uh not always super conducive to uh to surfing. But I know you do. You know, we Western United play uh quite a quite a few games out in Geelong. Do you ever get a chance to get down there, have a bit of a surf? Is there anyone in the team who joins you as well? Um, yeah, it was funny. A few weeks ago, we had a couple of days off, so I um, took my partner down to the Great Ocean Road, and we did um went down to Lawn and stayed there for a few nights and. Um, you know, it's a beautiful spot to get out there and check that out. So we're really happy with that. Um, funny, the water's a lot colder down here, so I probably need to invest in a in a better wetsuit at the moment. And um, oh, with the boys, probably Joshy Risden wants to get into it. He, he's he's done it a little bit. So uh, with the training ground at Essendon now, we're we're looking at urban surf memberships. So um, I think he's really keen to get stuck into it. Well, he's got the tattoos already. Exactly so what I was going to say. He does, if you had to he's pick someone who looked like they could be a surfer, he would be a good shout. He would definitely be a good shout. He's, he's got that look about him. He's um, he's right into it. He's you know a Perth boy, so there's some pretty good waves down there as well. So 
Um, it's a bit of a deal if I teach him, I can stay at his house in Perth and check out Margaret River and places like that. <laughs> well, let's get into the football. Lockie, you've been right up in the first team action this season, starting each and every game on the flank. Uh, how have you found the new head coach and uh, how have you found your place in the team? Yeah, it's been it's honestly been a breath of fresh air for John to come in with um, Foxy as well. It's been absolutely awesome for us boys just to, you know, start fresh with a new training ground, a new philosophy. And I think we can already see that, you know, our, our defensive structures is probably really standing out at the moment, something we've worked on all pre-season. And obviously the tack quite hasn't clicked yet, but, um, you know, early in the season, if you're hard to beat, you know, you can always work on the attack and the goals will hopefully come. So it's been absolutely awesome. And um, I know... Uh, personally, I'm really enjoying learning off someone like John. He's mm. played at the highest level and, you know, plays in a similar position to what I played in. So to absorb as much information as I can off him and um, to enjoy your football, that's probably when you play your best. Yeah, I mean, I think that defence, I think everyone in, in the league so far, you know, fans, players alike, the defence is something that's, that's really caught everyone's attention. And in both games as well, obviously the first result didn't quite go. You know, maybe felt a little bit unlucky that despite the good performance, you didn't get the result, but you did get three points for the first time this season against Perth on Friday night. Must have been a great feeling. Yeah, it was um, quite interesting. We probably played better against Melbourne Victory than uh, we did against Perth. So that's football sometimes. And as you said, the defence has been you know, on fire. And if you're very hard to beat, um, you know, it's shown with teams like Sydney FC over the last five years. You know, They win a lot of games 1-0, uh, 2-1. You know, if you're very hard to beat you'll pick up a lot of points in this league. So uh, definitely for us attackers, there's a lot of work. We've got a few new players in there with uh, the big striker and Wenzel, Wenzel Hall. So uh, there's a lot of combinations and things like that coming in. So hopefully that can grow over the next few games and, um, you know, we can start really putting teams to the sword. Yeah, well, th- those are the two players, exactly the two players I was just about to ask you about. Obviously, you're a familiar face in the Western United ranks, but you're working with, you know, two new attacking compatriots, Dill and, and and Alex Prijevic as well. How have, how have you found working with them so far? It seems like there's already a, a bit of a combination to strike up. Yeah, it's uh, it's great. It's, you know, it's probably the first time I've been here where you can look around and there's, you know, real competition for places in every position. And, um, you know, Wendell Hall, he's, an, he's a real energetic young fella. He, he's got a big mouth, but uh, he, he's always ratting about the training field and he's eager to learn and he's got plenty of energy. And then... Um, Alex has kind of got that physical presence. So I think um, moving forward, those two, you know, could could spark a little combination, um, whether one plays, two plays, or, you know, I think they're both very competitive and, um, you know, it's a good mix to have. You, you can go for the smaller, quicker player or also you can go direct into Kurovic. So um, it's great to have that, those options. And obviously you still got myself, Payne, uh, Dylan Perez, there, you know, who's got a lot of speed down the wing. So, you know, with these strikers in here, you just have to get the ball in the box and, you know, hopefully they can find their boots and we can we can start scoring some goals. Well, you said Dylan's a bit of a chatterbox, a big mouth, but uh, Ben Garuccio gave you a bit of a rap on last week's show. He said you could talk underwater. Yeah, it's lo- I've, got, I've got the quote Direct here, quote so here. I'm, going to ta- I'm going to take over. He said, Lockie Wales can talk underwater. I'd be surprised if there wasn't a fullback on the pitch who hasn't had a full-blown conversation with him. What, what, do, you, what do you say to that kind of allegation? Because that is a, a pretty significant uh, throwing under the bus there. Uh, you know, it's funny because everyone hates it at one point, but... You know, obviously, you know, some mornings everyone's a bit drowsy and I've always got a bit of energy to pick them up. So it's um, it's a love-hate relationship with some of the boys with me. I'm too much for them at times. But, you know, if you take a seat next to me in the bus on an away trip, I'll, I'll, I'll chat your ear off. So Is that something uh, that people you know, avoid but, doing? Do they, do they sort of steer uh, away like... It's actually it's interesting. They do they do come. It's funny. <laughs> they, they all complain about it, but they do sit there, so... Uh, no, it's all it's all in good fun and good banner, and you know Benny's he's still learning the ropes. He's wearing Gucci and still in his Melbourne City attire, so he'll learn pretty quick that 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 doesn't sit well at the club. That's got to be a fine, surely. Yeah, it does. I'm onto him as well. The Air Jordans, he's got about seven pairs of them. 
<laughs> no wonder he was offering Hearts jerseys to you last week. Like, more, more clothes than he has what to do with. <laughs> All right, so you're energetic in the early morning starts. Uh, that's been established. Is that uh, something that comes from your surfing days, hitting the beach at uh, crack of dawn? Yeah, I think I'm just um, I'm a morning person. I like to get to bed early and just you know make the most of the day. And I have a little little mate there that you probably know called Ryan Scott who who loves to get around it as well. So it, you know the boys love it. We we try and create a bit of an energy in the change room, and you know we're, we're light hearted and um, the boys are always getting a good laugh out of us. So it's just something small to get around the fellas and. Um, you know, sometimes sometimes we get on some people's nerves, but it's all in good fun. Well, I mean, you and Ryan Scott seem like kindred spirits in a way because you've both had to fight for your places in this league. I mean, back on the coast where you're a scholarship player getting paid peanuts, I mean, that mustn't have been easy to balance that. Yeah, it was a, it was a really tough period there. I was um, studying PE teaching as well up at Newcastle University, so... Um, I was also training full-time at the Mariners and, um, yeah, I was on $80 a week, so it was difficult to, you know, drive up to uni after training and then, you know, sometimes have to go back at night and train with the U team and things like that. So um, uh, massive credit to my old man. He always, you know, helped me out with petrol or things like this and, you know, I never stopped believing in my dream and uh, once I got that opportunity, I kind of ran with it at the Mariners there and, I moved on to Melbourne City and, you know, had an awesome experience there. And then I think I found somewhere here where I'm really feeling comfortable and, you know, my performances are starting to go up and starting to score a few more goals. So I'm just, I think I found a place where I'm really comfortable and I can push myself here at the moment. And, yeah, I'm just really enjoying football. Well, uh, Tony's come through in the comments saying Lockie has improved out of sight since joining Western United. I mean, it must be nice to be able to just focus on football and not have those distractions and sort of energy drain from having those all those extra commitments. Yeah, it is definitely. And it's, um, you know, you, you don't, it sounds funny, but you don't go out there on purpose to have a, a bad performance or, you know, miss chances or anything like that. It's, um, you know, when you're young, you're I'm energetic, and you know sometimes the game was almost going too fast for me. And probably in the last, you know, six to eight months, the game slowed down a bit for me. And um, you know, I'm a very explosive player, but it's um, kind of seeing things a lot clearer on the pitch now. And um, yeah, as I said, just enjoying football, as you said, without distractions. Um, and, you know, settled with my life outside of football here with my partner. She's um, been a massive support since she moved down. And um, it's just awesome when everything seems to be going good. Um, your football seems to be a lot easier. Yeah, well, I mean, I certainly think Tony wouldn't be alone in thinking that you've, you know, improved since you've been given this uh, extra lease of life in the in the green and black what are your do you do you have any personal ambitions to to further that development? As you said, you know you're still a young player. Is there any expectations you set for yourself as an individual for this season, or do you just want to just keep on enjoying it and keep the game nice and slow? Yeah, I think um, something for me is always good to you know set some goals, whether it's short term or long term. So you know, last year my personal goal was to go to the Olympics, and to do that was an awesome experience. So now. You know, I'd love to win something in the A-League or an FFA Cup. Um, you know, I got very close at City, losing two grand finals there, one in the Cup and one in the A-League. So I think we've got a really good squad here and I think why not that we can go for it this year and, you know, shock a few teams along the way. And, um, you know, personally, you know, it's that end product, that last 20 metres of the pitch for me, which is going to where you earn your money. So, um, yeah, just trying to improve that is my main goal. It's, you know, the hardest things to get goals and assists. So um, every day up doing some extras after training or, you know, having a shoot and comp with Wendell Hall and Dill and some of the young boys, it's it's um, just little things like that that keep challenging you as a player. Well, you talk about the game slowing down for you and wanting to get more goals and assists. I mean, there's a connection there, surely, with, you know, you're playing the final third and just taking that extra microsecond to, to set yourself before you shoot or cross. I mean, that when you're a player as fast as you are and you do operate at a million miles an hour a lot of the time when you're trying to beat defenders, is that the hard bar- part, that kind of composure? Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, I think, um, 
you know, slowing down almost, you know, I'm so quick and, um, you know, always wanting to be energetic on the ball or um, provide a good action for the team. Sometimes it's just, you know, once you beat that player, taking a deep breath and you know, getting your head up a bit more and finding the options, it's easier said than done. And mm. I think, you know, for the first time in my career, I've probably watched a lot more football than I've usually watched. So I'm studying a lot of players like Mohamed Salah and, um, you know, Mane from Liverpool and watching their decision-making in that final third and, um, yeah, just seeing how quick they are but also how composed they are in that final bit and pitch of the area. So, um, yeah, I haven't got it there quite yet, but um, it's something that I'm trying to trying to get better at and trying to work on each day. I mean, one thing I'm sure helps with all of that as well is the, you know, the environment. So, something that really every player we've had on so far in the green room has mentioned is the atmosphere and the environment in training and around the club. I mean, as you've already mentioned three players, you know, yourself, uh, Dylan and Ryan Scott, who could all be listed as, you know, biggest chatterbox in the club. Is clearly there's a, there's a good vibe. It must help you guys, um, you know, not just push yourself personally in the season, but just the whole team to, uh, to get forward. Yeah, it's just a complete different environment this year and it's, um, you know, honestly so enjoyable to turn up every day. We've got a really good mix of, you know, experienced players and also a lot of young players as well. So I think um, everyone's kind of just bouncing off each other at the moment and um, everyone's really enjoying it. And, you know, it's up, the coaching staff have provided this for us and it's been, you know, a massive change and um, the standards are very high at the club now. So... Uh, there's no shortcuts and, you know, everyone, everyone knows the rules and um, what we're working towards. So it's been a massive, massive um, improvement and probably an eye-opener for some some boys who haven't trained in that environment before. Mm. And I know also that, that one thing, at least away from football, that's important to this squad as well, is your sense of fashion. I mean, you mentioned Ben Garuccio's before. We've already talked about the show you've got on. It seems like something you guys hold a quite a lot of emphasis on is, uh, is is looking sharp around the training pitch. Yeah, it is. It's um, Obviously, the boys have a bit different fashion. Uh, you know, you got Jerry Skedardis, who's, you know, from a Greek background, and he dresses like an Aussie as well. So it's rubbing off on everyone at the moment. And um, it would just be nice to see Wenzel Halls get out of the New Balance kit um, and just get <laughs> something different on. He's always He's always got New Balance on and, you know, it's, it's, the boys are getting a bit sick of it now, so it'd be good if they could chuck on some good kit. <laughs> Laying down the gauntlet there. Lockie, I, I wanted to uh, delve into a comment you made about watching Salah and Mane and studying the game a bit more. I mean, you know, as fans, we kind of assume that all players are kind of football obsessives like we are, but that's not the case a lot of the time. I mean, a lot of them are more athletes, and you mentioned playing a lot of different sports and going to the beach and, yeah. and so forth when you were growing up. So... Take us through that journey of you starting to to watch a bit more football outside of you know your your work and where that's come from. Is that something you've taken initiative on yourself, or is that something from the coaching staff? Um, yeah, it's, it's something that's probably I've worked on in the last eight eight months. I I'm a massive rugby league fan, so I love watching NRL, or I don't even mind watching AFL. But um, yeah, I always li- liked watching soccer, but I never would. You know, watch the, the analyst side of it, or you know, uh, Gary Neville speaking about players and things like this. And it's just something I've gone into over the last, you know, six to eight months. And um, it's something that I've actually really enjoyed just watching. You know, they're the best best players in the world, and um, to watch how how good they are, it's it's actually unbelievable. And you know, they make it look so easy, and that's why probably the A League gets so, so much hate is because they do make it look so easy. But it's um. It's a real difficult thing to do, so uh, to watch them do it and just try and pick it, pick a little bit apart is um, just something that's really interested me lately and it's something I'll continue to do. And you mentioned the analysis as well. You've uh, got stuck into the sort of tactical side of the game a bit more lately. Does that help you, you know, not understand what your coach is asking you to do, but what, what, why? Yeah, exactly. I've always been a, a very good listener to coaches and I've always... You know, even if I've liked or disliked a coach, I've always taken one or two things away that I've really liked mm-hmm. about a coach. So um, I, I've always been involved in the tactics, and from a young age, I've you know always always liked the four three three style of play. And 
Um, you know, obviously last year we played five at the back, which is something that I've never been a part of. So to learn that and then um, now see, you know, John implement a 4-3-3 here, it's, um, it's really interesting. And, you know, every, every coach has a different way of playing it, which, you know, is why we love the game is because, you know, every game's different and, you know, every team tries to play a different way. I noticed there were quite significant demands on you in a defensive sense last season. I remember, I think it was the first game of the season in Geelong and you seemed to be changing positions with the ball and without it and, and your role in the pressing was like quite uh, specific. So, you know, that's a lot to think about when you're already, you know, pretty tired and, and running around. Yeah. Yeah, it's something in my game, you know, um, that a lot of coaches like is I can repeat action a lot more than other players. So... Uh, defensively, I am a bit of a workhorse, if you if you want to say that. Um, I get through a lot of work, and um, yeah, last year I was defending on the right hand side, and then playing as a second striker in attack. So um, yeah, it's it's not not quite easy sometimes when you know you've run probably 60 meters back, and then you're in that final final bit of the area, and you just almost feel like you've got nothing left in the legs. So um, I've done a lot more gym work. This off season, I guess, with um, John coming in, and um, I feel a lot more powerful. So hopefully, I can um, still have that power to beat a player yeah. in that last twenty meters of the box. Well, you've got a role that's a little bit more streamlined, you know, much more attacking work for you to focus on. And I'm sure that many of the fans watching will be hoping you can channel that in a Sadio Mane or Mo Salah or, or a combination of both. It's up yeah, to you. Hopefully, over yeah. over the next week, obviously. Um, two big games coming up for the club. We'll, we'll start off with the the one in the league. You've got you know, one of your a team you're very familiar with in Melbourne City this Saturday. Last time you played them, um, you, you may well remember this, but it wasn't the worst day for you personally. Of course, you you managed to get the goal, the assist for for best for the winner, and pretty sure you picked up the man of the match as well. I, I can only imagine, and you can tell me if I'm wrong somehow, but you'll be hoping for for more of the same for yourself personally this time around. Yeah, definitely. It was um, probably the highlight of the year last year, I think, that performance. Um, it's probably our best one. I think that's maybe the last time Melbourne City lost the game. So, um, yeah, we'll be looking to do that again, hopefully. They, you know, they've been the benchmark for the last three years, um, the way they moved the ball and, you know, kind of that front three that looks pretty potent at the moment. So um, we played them twice in the preseason games and the second preseason game we gave a real good Gave them a real good game, and I think I think they know they're in for a game on on Saturday at Amy Park. They, um, you know, they know we're here to play, and we can definitely play better with the ball this season. And um, we'll be looking to work our way through them, and hopefully, you know, I can have a bit of a day out like I did last time. And the goal you did score in that game to to make it one all, it was a header. We don't always see a Lockie Wales header, but we did appreciate it. And the, I think maybe the best part about it, the most interesting part, is that to score that header, you are jumped over the top of a, a certain Ben Garuccio. Have you have you had a chance yeah. to uh, to remind him about that since he's uh, your teammate now? Or have you been too busy talking about his, uh, his fashion sense? No, nah, yeah, I have reminded him about that. He reckons he had no contact in that day um, and he couldn't see me, so... Yeah, there's been a bit, a bit of answer to him for with Benny, but he's um he's a real he's a real energetic player, Benny, down the left hand side and you've seen in the first couple of games he's he's a workhorse and um you know, he's defended really well. I think he kept the economy he's pretty quiet and um, you know, last week he had another solid game. So I think uh yeah, Benny will be looking to have a big game as well against his former club and hopefully he can just keep putting in those performances because um you know, he'll be a real asset to our team going forward. Well, I'm not sure how he missed you last season with your your haircut. Uh, what was that inspired by, sort of glam rock 80s front man? Yeah, I've had a few different hairstyles, to be honest, across, across the career so far. It's, um, it's all, all a bit of fun once again. Um, you know, I've gone the, the blonde top. I've also, you know, just let it grow out, which I'm kind of doing at the moment. I've got a bit of a top knot I guess you can say at the moment so um, yeah you know for me it doesn't really matter it's just whatever works but um, you know hopefully I can score a goal in the next couple of weeks otherwise I might have to shave it all off yeah, well I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up Josh because they, they were, we were watching back the game and there was a, a close-up of you on the on the Paramount Plus cameras and I'm like 
Is that Lockie Wales with the top knot? Like, I couldn't work out whether it was... Uh, is that something you're doing just to sort of keep the hair out of the eyes or is it a, a permanent yeah. feature? Well, at the Olympics, I had a bit of a mullet going on. So <laughs> yes, at the moment, the the, uh, the back's a bit long and the front's not quite as long as the back. So I'm just trying to get the front a bit out of the eyes at the moment and... I can only improve from you guys. That's, that's the key. key <laughs> well, no, I, w- I was just genuinely curious because I was like, is he trying to, ke-, you know, because my hair's a bit long at the moment as well. I was thinking, yeah. is he trying to keep it out of his eyes or is he, you know, trying to get on a slow process of emulating Alex Priovich? I wasn't sure. Yeah. I just wanted to get the inside word from you. Yeah, I'm going for the probably the, the Harry Kuehl look, to be honest. The, um, yeah, when they played Uruguay, he had a he had a good hairstyle. So that's 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 the aim at the moment. I had there was a bet with Josh Risden, but he um he couldn't hack it, so he he shaved his the other week. <laughs> well, you mentioned the Olympics before, and we haven't asked you about your national team uh, representation. You did score a goal at the Olympics against Argentina in that famous win. Uh, tell us what that felt like. Yeah, it was, uh, it was such a good experience just to even, you know, go over there and the whole build up to it and, you know, training and training with the best players and kind of players that I've grown up playing with or against. So, um, you know, to put on the the jersey, the green and gold jersey was awesome. And, you know, that first first night, something I'll probably never forget. And I don't think, you know, every Australian football fan won't forget in a hurry. Um you know, to beat a country like Argentina, it's probably, you know, one of the best football memories I have of my life so far. And, you know, to to knock one in, it was um, it was awesome. It just kind of topped the day off and um, something, just a memory I'll never forget. And, um, you know, to, to show that you can mix it with, you know, the best young players in the world. And, you know, we're probably 10 minutes off a draw against Spain to go into the quarterfinals and you never know what could have happened then, but, um, you know, to play against Pedri and these players, you know, it's an awesome experience and it can only, only makes you more hungry to, to get back on a stage like that. Well, Lockie, thank you so much for your, uh, your time and, uh, for going into detail on your football upbringing and so forth. Uh, you must be looking forward to this weekend. Have you got a, a celebration in mind? If you do find the back of the net again against your former club? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not a. I'm not big on celebrations. It, it kind of just comes to me as as I go. So, um, oh, I'd be. It'd be awesome if I can just put one in the back of the net for the boys. But um, yeah, I'm not too sure. I'll leave the celebrations to um, to maybe Connor Payne. He's got a, he's got a pretty pretty good celebrations down pat. I think maybe if you score, you might have Ryan Scott just chase after you and like <laughs> tackle you down or something like that. Maybe, maybe you yeah, can I just get him to help you out. He'll be the first goalkeeper to get five yellows from from celebrating <laughs> on the pitch this season for sure. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're modelling yourself after Mo Salah, we know his preferred celebration, and it's usually shirtless. So, yeah, I don't have the rec- I don't have the chest. I don't have the chest for that, but um, yeah, my shirt will definitely be staying on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's a great relief to you, Coach uh, Lockie. Thank you so much for joining us. Best of luck this weekend, and. Uh, We'll see what happens uh, if you do find the back of the net. I'll be personally looking out for Ryan Scott now running down the touchline. <laughs> nah, thanks, guys. Really, really appreciate the chat. It was awesome. Lockie Wales joining us here on the Green Room on FNR, presented by Simmons Homes, the great Australian builder. Lockie, we'll go to a short break. On the other side, A-League legend Andrew Durante joins us from where? We're not sure. We're going to find out. Presented by Simmons, it's the Green Room on FNR, Football Nation Radio. And joining us now in the Green Room, club legend, A-League legend, record appearance holder, Andrew Durante. Welcome to the Green Room. Tell us, first of all, mate, where are you? Because uh, we understand you've been on a bit of a road trip lately. Yeah, I've um, made my way around. Uh, I'm in Broome at the moment, so the top of WA. So uh, enjoying some pretty hot weather at the moment. Yeah, it doesn't look like Melbourne. 
It's definitely not working. Got a Zoom, you know, uh, virtual background on, but no, he's <laughs> really in paradise. It looks like. Yeah. yeah. Well, we were we were sort of throwing names up on a on a dartboard to work out where you might be because we we knew you were traveling around Australia, which we were just throwing out guesses, but um. You have been at least, you know, again, like I said to to one of our previous uh, previous guests, Alex Previch. Uh, Josh, he does the he does the serious Wikipedia transfer market searching. Me, I go through the Instagram, so I know yeah. you've been lots of different places. How how has the experience been? It's it's looked like an absolute blast. Yeah, it's been incredible. We uh, we took off basically when the when the season finished. Um, uh, we got out of Melbourne at the right time, and then we headed to Sydney to see family for for a little while, and then. COVID started catching up to Sydney. So then we bailed out of there and, and just kept heading north. So we did the East Coast and avoided lockdowns and, and crossed borders, which is a, a rarity these days. So, um, yeah, went across the East Coast through the middle of the country um, and then up to the top of Northern Territory. And now I'm, a, I'm over across in the uh, Western Australia in Broome. Wow, what a what a journey! I mean, you certainly had the right idea. I think the rest of us could have learned a thing or two from uh, from your approach. Um, you had to keep yourself in perfect condition for so so long. Uh, your longevity uh, was unrivaled amongst A League players. What is it like now? Have you let, let loose a little bit? Yeah, I definitely haven't packed on kilos. I don't think that's in my uh, body I don't, type. Just to be clear, I don't think that's what Josh was <laughs> suggesting. We don't want to get ourselves in hot water. <laughs> I'm not looking chubby, am I? But, um, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, but I've, um, I've enjoyed not having to, uh, you know, exert myself every day. I actually thought that I'd get up and run a bit more, but I've actually done nothing since I've stopped. I've just enjoyed doing nothing, um, eating whatever I want. I've had a a lot more beers than I would ever uh, during my playing day. So, look, I've just made the most of it. Um, you know, I'm pretty active with the kids every day anyway with, with hiking or we go for bike rides and swimming. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been great. It's been great not having to um, go through the grind every day. Yeah, I bet. And uh, is your family loving having you around or are they getting a bit sick of you now? I think they're pretty sick of me by now, but that's, uh, it's bad luck. We're all stuck in a van together, so they've got to deal with it. <laughs> yeah, how has how has that, that van life been going? Because uh, have you been at the taking the caravan with you everywhere you've gone? Has that been your, like, I mean, it doesn't look like you're in a caravan right now, so maybe this is a brief departure, but how has that, that caravan life been going? You know, you've got a pretty large family, so it, it must be quite a, like, tired experience. Yeah, look, it definitely takes adjusting. I'd never caravanned before and it was my first time doing it. Um, you know, and three young girls in, in tight um, confines can be testing at times, there's no doubt about it. But, um, you know, to be able to pick up and leave and go to a next destination whenever you want and, and see something amazing and then, you know, you're sick of it and then you move to the next spot, you know, just having that freedom of being able to, to change your scenery. You open up the door every day and you're looking at something different. It's just incredible. The kids are loving it. Um, you know, the positives way um, out to the, the negative situations that, that you'd come across. So I'm, I'm in a caravan park at the moment. I'm just in the front office here using uh, ah. their Wi-Fi. But, um, yeah, we're, we're basically right on the beach here in Broome and Cable Beach. And, um, yeah, it's been amazing. I, I, I'd love it and I, I wish I could do it forever, but you, you can't do it. But it's been great. See, now I feel bad because here I was uh, accusing you of uh, ditching the caravan life and booking out a five-star suite. But, no, you are, are still true to form, which is good. But, uh as we said, you've been to so many different places in this this journey around, and you know, eventually you will come back around, hopefully to towards Melbourne. But what's what has been? I know there's many to choose from, but what's been the best experience for you so far? Yeah, there's been so many uh, awesome experiences for different reasons, but I'd have to say down at Uluru, Ayers Rock. Uh, you know, we we got our bikes and rode around Ayers Rock. That was pretty awesome. That was a real special place it's hard to describe but there's something you know really special about the place when you get there and uh we actually did ditch the caravan for uh for five days and we hired a boat and sailed the with sunday so that was uh um, worst things to that, do yeah. yeah that was pretty epic i'd probably say that's probably the biggest highlight it was just the most amazing five days just you know snorkeling and fishing and and just you know sailing around it was amazing well, this is a football show, not an episode of Getaway, so uh, we better talk football at some point. Uh, tell us about uh, your 356 A-League game career. Have I got that number right? Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, I think it's about right. 
um, yeah, look, it was it was long. It was a long career. It was a it was a great career. I loved it. Uh, you know, um, you know, it's been one of you know I won a championship in the old NSL. I won a championship in the in the A League with Newcastle Jets, and you know, got around, played international football, and you know, my, I look really fondly back on my career. I think it was you know amazing. Um, I was definitely not the greatest player or the best player to ever play it. But, you know, I, I was a battler and I worked hard. And, um, you know, I think that's that's what got me through and, and gave me that longevity that, you know, I was a real fighter and, and just, you know, I loved winning games. So that's kind of how I, I kind of played the game. And what did you bring to Western United when you started in terms of your experience as an inaugural player in a new team, in a new club? Uh, what was that like? And... Uh, how did you set about trying to establish that kind of culture? Yeah, look, when I first spoke to Lou Sticker, who was one of the guys who first set up the club, you know, he was he was just telling me about the the ambition of the football club, the stadium that they were building, how they wanted to build a fantastic team from the get-go and they were willing to spend on marquees. And, you know, it really excited me. Um, it was a blank piece of paper and I thought, you know what, I can go there and help create a culture, um, help create values and really set the groundwork up for a, for a football club in, in Melbourne. And, yeah, they, you know, I think I did that in that first season. You know, I feel I contributed really well in that first season, especially, you know, we had a lot of new players, um, a lot of big profile players as well to try and manage and, and um, navigate through. So, yeah, look, it was a big challenge. Love it. I'd have zero regrets on, on coming to, to Western United and, and helping set that up. I, I loved my time there. And um, look, I think, you know, I, I was just on the actually internet before and I saw they've they've turned soil. And so there's there's really big moment happening at the football club. And I think it's going to grow into a, a really big club. Well, you, you know, you said, mentioned before that it was, um, you know, your A-League career was something that you look back on fondly. I think the the overwhelming thing is that a lot of people, uh, and I'm talking fans of Western United and previous clubs you've played for, uh, look back fondly on your career in, in the A-League as well. Like, in a short space of time, I think you made yourself into a, a really cherished uh, player and character for a lot of Western United fans. And, of course, everyone knows your exploits with Wellington before that. Is it a, a, a weird feeling for you to be basically a, a club legend at more than one club? <laughs> um, look, uh, I guess that's a tagline that, that people will add. You know, yeah, it's not something that I would, uh, you know, add to myself. But obviously in Wellington, it was a long time, 11, 11 years there as the captain. You know, you know, of course, I've got a legacy there and, uh, and some incredibly great moments. Um, you know, I won a championship at Jets so, and, and a Joe Marsden medal with them and, yeah, and then Western United was just another, um, and another, I guess, path for me to kind of prove myself and, and test myself. I, I love to constantly test myself and, and see if I can make an impact in other environments and, and how I would fare in other environments. So, um, yeah, it's every team has different challenges and, and every club has different challenges. And, um, you know, you just got to figure out ways of adapting and um, connecting with people. And that's something that I, I, I enjoy doing. So it was easy for me. I want to take you back to the the group in that first season, and it was sort of the wise old heads of the A League that that lineup. It was a very savvy, uh, experienced team. Lots of big personalities in there: Barisha, McDonald, uh, Ershan Gulam, Paniotis Kone, of course, Diamante still there, and goes without saying. Uh, what was that uh, group of players like to work with and, and play with? Oh, I loved it. You know, when they started signing these players, I was like, mate, this is this is the club I want to be at. They, they want to win it. They don't want to wait two, three, four years to try and win it with a young group of kids. They want to try and win it now. Um, you know, to sign someone like Diamante and Paniotis Kony, you know, that was a massive statement. That was a huge statement to say, look, we're here to win it. We want to win it. And that's our ambition. So that really got me fired up. Getting Urson Bullenbach, Scott McDonald, Bessart Barisha, Josh Risden, like... That's a that's a massive lineup of, of players and experienced players, and um, you know we started off incredibly well, um, you know, in that first season, and then we kind of had a dip. Some players left for whatever reason, and we went through a bit of a lull. But then we finished strong again, um, and, and we were one game short of the of the grand final. So, look, there was, you know, I think people say oh, all these big personalities, surely there's a big clash in that. But we were all just good pros that just wanted the best for the team. And, um, you know, no one thought they were above anyone else. If there was an issue, we'd all get together and, and try and iron it out. So there was definitely no big ego thing there. Um, we all worked really well together. 
And I think the defining performance of that those early days with that group of players is probably the comeback uh, at Marvel Stadium against Melbourne Victory, 2-0 down. Most sides would lose their heads at that point, going 2-0 down in, in such uh, dramatic early circumstances. But he just level-headed, played your football, kept playing out from the back. And, I mean, that was honestly a stunning comeback. must have been amazing to be a part of it. Oh, definitely one of the highlight games. And, and I guess probably the game that really put us on the map to say, hey, we, we are here. We're not just pretenders here. We, we want to actually try and do something to knock victory off at home. Um, you know, coming back from behind, like you said, it was it was huge. Um, you know, I, I remember clearly when, when the first goal went in and then the second goal went in and I just looked around and everyone's just saying, relax, it's fine, don't worry, keep playing. And when you hear that and when you're saying that to other people, everyone just goes, all right, actually, we, we might be all right. And then I think it was Diamante scored the first goal and then once that went in, I was like, right, we're going to get back in this. And, yeah, one of the games for, for the ages that'll be, that was a cracking game. Yeah, and, I, you know, that season, uh, the 2019-20 season, obviously the first for the club, but you were still, I think you started 26 games that season. So you were still a super, super, not even a super regular starter. You were a constant starter. It was an impressive thing to do for, for someone, you know, um, coming towards the end of their career. And I think that's probably the most impressive thing about your career is not just the longevity, but the consistency. I know I think you would have played most, most of your years in the A-League would have been 20 plus games a season. I mean, what's your, you know, for other players who are getting towards their mid to late thirties and thinking, I don't know how many years of this thing I've got yet. What is your, your secret to this incredible longevity? Because a lot of older players, as they get towards the end, that the amount of games they play start to taper off. But that was, that was not the case for you at all. Yeah, I actually think I probably played my best football um, under Mark Rudin at Wellington at 36 and then, you know, Western United at 37 and 38. Um, you know, I, I'd have to say I've got to give credit to Mark. He, he kind of stripped all the players back. He got everyone, you know, so lean and so fit. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. Over the years, you know, when I first started my career, I had really bad injuries. I broke my leg uh, when I was 21, missed the Athens Olympics, uh, got back 18 months later, broke my leg again, went playing for Newcastle Jets in a preseason game. So I guess the football gods looked after me. You know, they, they, they punished me at the beginning for whatever reason and then like, looked after me at the end because after that I was basically consistent uh, every, every um, season. You know, I understood my body really well. Um, I knew what I could do and, and what I couldn't do and how hard to push myself and, and when to taper off. Um, sports science now, I think every player should be easily playing over 35, 36. You know, no question about it with the technology that they have, the, the ice baths, the recovery systems, the, the technologies there for you to play as long as you want if you look after yourself. Um so, yeah, and, and I was just – I never wanted to give my spot up. I wanted to play every week. There were times that I got – I remember I got food poisoning the day before a game. I was in hospital on a trip, and, I, and they're like, oh, you know, we'll see you next week. I said, no, I'm playing. I'm coming tomorrow, and I'm playing. I said, I'll hydrate myself. I'll, I'm good to go. And I, I just didn't want to give my spot up to anyone. I just wanted to play every game because I knew it was a privilege to, to be on that park and, and to represent whatever team I played for. That season was interrupted course uh the covid lockdown then the bubble and it seems as if some teams struggled in that environment but western united seemed to improve uh you mentioned out a mid-season dip before that and then really uh the football that you played towards the end of the campaign into the final series was some of your best what, what was it about that bubble environment that maybe brought the team closer together i'll, I'll tell you the secret to that bubble it was um all the other, so Victoria was in a full lockdown. We couldn't leave our home for anything. We were we were kind of trapped. All the other states were actually, you know, could move around. They could they could go to cafes still. They could do what they wanted. And then all of a sudden, the bubble hit, and we're all in a bubble together. And we were staying at Coogee. So every day we'd wake up. We're at Coogee Beach. We'd open up the blinds. We're like, this is incredible. We could go for a swim at the beach if we wanted. We're like, we're in. This is unbelievable. We're in freedom. This is, this is heaven. And all the other teams that had been in luxury were out at like. Parramatta staying at it, looking out at a car park every day. And I honestly, I honestly believe that that mindset where the club put us was, was the catalyst for us having such a good run in that, those last six games in the final series, because you, you saw the top teams, they were falling away and we were just, we were going, we were rising in those games. And I'm telling you the camaraderie we had in, in that Coogee beach hotel. And that was just, was unreal. And, and the club did everything they could to make us, 
feel at home and, and we had snooker tables and, and table tennis tables and, you know, we, we felt relaxed and, and fired up and I think the other teams went the opposite way. So you're a big believer in the sort of off-the-pitch socialising, improving on-field performances and that mentality and the positivity? Oh, without doubt. I mean, I was I was speaking to Steve Taylor at Wellington and he's like, uh, let's finish this season. I want to get out of here. You know, I'm looking at a car park in Parramatta. I'm like, man, this is – I'm opening up the blinds every day. I've got Quiddy Beach looking out. I'm going for a swim. And honestly, we're just getting in the minds of all the other players. They were just hating it. And, uh, yeah, definitely, if, you, if you're happy outside of football and, and everything's going well in your life outside, it, it definitely plays a part in, in playing well on the field. Well, I mean, I'm just thinking back to that time you sparked a memory. I can still remember clearly in my mind all the all the the joyous Instagram stories from Alessandro Diamanti at that time, just poolside, <laughs> him having a great time. It was clear that you weren't the only one uh, enjoying that uh, that atmosphere at that time. No, we were loving it. Like I said, we we were in such a bad way in Victoria. We hadn't seen it. We hadn't been out of our houses. So to actually have a little bit of freedom was just incredible. So yeah, like I said, it definitely played a part in that run. I'm just thinking back to the memories of that crazy time, and uh, I remember there was a attempted airport run that oh, didn't quite go to plan before a, a border closed. There was there was three of them. We tried to get out. Uh, Greg O'Rourke tried to get us on a flight three times to get us out of there. We'd be waiting at the airport. We were just waiting to get on our flight, and then all of a sudden, boys, you got to go home. So everyone just had to go home again. And we tried three times to get out, and we eventually got there. And um, yeah, Greg O'Rourke wasn't a popular man when we saw him in the um, when we saw him in the in the uh, hotels. Well, we were basically following that through Deer's Instagram. And yeah. uh, I remember he was still bubbly, still making jokes, still laughing, saying things in Italian I didn't understand. And then the camera at one point cuts to Bez, <laughs> just icy daggers, like, what are you doing to me? Yeah, look, you know, Deer's the perfect person to have in a situation like that. You know, he's always joking and laughing and, you know, he's catchphrase boy boy of just being positive all the time. So, uh, yeah, he was he was a perfect leader at that time to um, keep the mood pretty happy. Well, Andrew, I think I think it's clear that, you know, in your, uh, you know, in the grand scheme of your career, short space of time that you did spend at, at Western United, you, you've made a lot of good memories, a lot of happy memories. And I... I, I get the sense that perhaps that's feeding into, you know, a potential role uh, for you at the club when you make your way back from your journey around the uh, outside of Australia. Yeah, well, that's the plan. The plan is um, when I'm ready to come home. I don't know when that is, but when I'm ready to come home, uh, you know, I want to be a part of the club. You know, I didn't come just to, to play a couple of seasons and then take off. You know, I want to help build the football club. I, I really believe in what they're doing. Um you know, where I'll fit in is still something that I kind of am tossing up a bit because I kind of love every aspect of the game. I love the coaching side. I love the operational side, um, you know, the corporate side of it as well. But, you know, I've had a bit of time to think while I have been on the road. And, you know, I'd love to give back in, you know, to the youth system and, and help develop some of the younger players. Uh you know, I see all these kids with so much talent and so much skill that I didn't have. But, you know, no one really works on the mental side of it enough. I don't think, you know, there's enough time spent on grafting. And, you know, if you want to make it, you've got to be fit. You've got to deal with setbacks. You've got to deal with coaches not liking you and how do you overcome that. So that part of the game is something that I'm pretty passionate about. So if I can incorporate that uh, in my time at Western United, I'd be uh, pretty happy with that. Well, listening to you there, I'm, I'm reminded of what you were saying earlier about when you first joined the club, you know, the, the, the vision that you discussed with Lou at the time, um, that long-term plan to, to really in literal and in figurative terms build something uh, with Western United. It, it seems like that, um, that ambition and those goals are, are, are something that have stuck with you and that, that you want to see through. Yeah, I definitely want to see through. Like I said, I don't like to start things and uh, just take off on them. You know, it's it was a commitment that I made that I, I'd like to come back to Melbourne. Uh, I spoke to Chris, um, the CEO, on several occasions and, you know, they're, they're keen on having me back there and, and helping grow the football club. So um, they've also given me their blessing to, to continue travelling, which has been lovely. And uh, look, it's it's been really good for my 
transition, you know, there's something that's not spoken enough about is the transition in, in retirement. And, and it's difficult. It's difficult for anyone. It doesn't matter if you've made millions or you've made, you know, a small amount of money. The transition after football is is difficult. Um, but this trip around Oz and spending time with my family and, you know, has really taken my mind off that and really helped me um, ground myself and, and refocus. So this is probably the best thing that I've uh you know, ever done and my family are loving it and I'm loving it. So it's, it's been a great thing for me in this transitional phase. Well, I was going to ask you about the current uh, set of players, the current team and how they're shaping up. I'm not sure if you've watched a single minute of that, if you've been uh, on a well-deserved break, but uh, Leo Lacroix and Tomoki Amai as a central defensive partnership have certainly been turning some heads so far this season. And as a, as a former centre-back yourself, that must be pleasing to see. Yeah, Leo's a great signing. I think he's, you know, he's, he's a massive human. Uh, you know, he's, he stands so tall at the back there and he's he's got beautiful feet. He, he's a strong leader and from what I'm hearing from all the players, a great guy and his first two games have been really good. He's been really solid. Um, so I think he's been a fantastic signing for the club. Um, Tamaki is Tamaki. He's always consistent and, um, you know, he's, he's been playing really well. Um, Topper Stanley is riding their tails big time as well. You've got a guy that could easily be starting in that team. So, you know, that's really healthy, you know, to keep them on their toes. If you don't play well, then there's someone ready to step in and, and do really well. So Topper, you know, will be waiting for his chance. Um, but, yeah, I think it's a strong squad. You know, if I actually look at the squad on paper, I'd probably say it's one of the strongest squads um, over the three years. I think there's a really good balance. Um, I think Kilkenny is a great signing. Um, you know, the new striker comes with a, a great pedigree. You've got Denzel, Wenzel Hawes, um, you know, who's who's chipped in with his first goal on the weekend. So from what, from speaking to the players and everyone in the crowd around the club, it's it's super positive. There's good energy around there and, and they're feeling like there could be something special this year. Mm. Well, I mean, it is only two games into the season, but from both of our opinions and, and many others across who have watched Western United play, it does seem like that central defence is going to be a real asset to the team over the course of the season. Uh, if and when you, you do return, are you going to have to resist the sort of subconscious urge at training to to jump back into those defensive training drills and, and get in amongst that solid defence? No, I probably will. I probably want to get straight <laughs> into it. Um, probably rip my hammy or do something stupid. <laughs> I haven't been injured my whole career and then I'll probably get injured when I jump in a training session with uh, as a coach or something. But... No, nah, look, I'm pretty passionate about, um, you know, helping the younger generation with, even as a defensive coach, you know, I look at some of the games in the A-League and some of the mistakes that are being made and, you know, I think there's such easy things to, to fix, um, but it just takes repetition and time for, to focus on them. But, look, I think John Aloysius is doing a great job at the moment. I'm um, sorry, that was a fly. Uh, John Ellis is doing a great moment uh, job at the moment. And um, Hayden Fox as well, like all the players are speaking so highly of Foxy's contribution to the club. And, yeah, I'm really excited about the season. And like you said, it's only early days, but, um, you know, it's some good signs. Well, plenty to be excited about. This Saturday, 7.45 p.m., Amy Park against Melbourne City. It is an away match. Uh, that one, but uh, coming up against the best the competition has to offer is uh, is sure to be a stern test. So should be a good one to watch on prime time Saturday night. Yeah, look, they look the favourites again. Uh, to be honest, they're they're a super team. Um, they got pipped over in Adelaide, but Adelaide's a tough place to go uh, anyway. But yeah, I'd say Melbourne City are definitely the front runners again to to take it out potentially. And then coming up on Tuesday, the 7th of December, FFA Cup tie against Wellington Phoenix, your former side at, uh, at GMHBA. I mean, it must be tough for Wellington again this year to be playing away from home and living in another country. Yeah, oh, mate, no no doubt about it. What they did last year and, and how they had to kind of finish the season in that, in that bubble and being away from family so long and then base themselves in Wollongong and... You know, credit to them, credit to everyone because, you know, they're, they're desperate to stay in the league. They want to be a part of it, they're, you know, and, and they deserve to be there and the long-term future of, of Wellington is is there now. And, um, yeah, to again go and be based themselves in uh, Sydney is, is so difficult. I, you know, I put myself in their shoes of, you know, having to leave family members potentially, you, you know, your wife and kids to stay over in Wellington at school and you've got to come over. So it's definitely not easy, but... Man, they're playing super football. They got a very—I'm going to say this in the nicest possible way—average team on paper. But you know, Talley's got them playing some really good mm. football as well. 
Yeah, definitely well drilled. Well, speaking of uh, getting back to family, we'll let you get back to yours, Andrew Durante. Uh, go back to your tropical paradise and enjoy the rest <laughs> of your holiday. And uh, we'll welcome you back with open arms when you come back to the west of Melbourne. No worries. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely brilliant. And we'll bring the show to an end on that note as well. This has been The Green Room on FNR, presented by Simmons Homes. Make sure you get your tickets for 7.45pm Amy Park on Saturday as uh, Western United take on the champions, Melbourne City. Big test coming up, Lockie. Yeah, it's going to be huge. It's a big week, two games. I'm looking forward to seeing what we can end up with next Wednesday. All right, we better go. See you next week. Presented by Simmons, it's the Green Room on FNR, Football Nation Radio.